Hello from ABA Mid-Year Meeting 2017 in Miami, Florida. I'm Lawrence Coletti. I'm Brian Willis. I'm Andrew Korge. And I'm Councilman Mike Suarez of Tampa. And we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. And we're back. We're here with an esteemed panel of guests. We're going to talk a little bit about road rage. And so I think it's going to be, uh, well, I know it's a serious topic, but hopefully we'll have a little fun with it. And so just as some background information, I didn't know too much about, admittedly, did not know too much about uh, road rage. And so I did a little research and I discovered that Miami apparently oftentimes becomes the road rage capital of the U.S. Is this true? I live here and have for many, many years. And, and absolutely. And look, I'm a victim. Uh, you know, of our traffic and transportation here uh, in Miami. So it's uh, it's real. So this is Andrew Gorge talking to us uh, right now about his own experiences. And you guys just got fresh out of a session uh, talking about that. We definitely want to learn more about it. But you know what I think we had to do before we get into the details? Why don't we learn a little bit more about you? Where do you work? What do you do? And uh, what do you guys say we start with uh, Councilman? Well, I'm a Councilman in the city of Tampa. I'm the chairman this year for our, our council. And in addition, I serve on the board for our bus system. So when we were talking about road rage earlier on today, it's about all the transit options that you have so that you don't have to be angry in traffic. You have other things to do, and we uh, talked a little bit about some of those options. Uh, but I'm a part-time city councilman. Believe it or not, a city the size of Tampa, they only have part-timers. And I'm also in the commercial insurance industry. So for me, it's, uh, it's a great thing to talk about because transit is really our future. It's also our past, but we have to figure out how to marry what we've already tried to do and what we're going to do in the future. Okay, Andrew. Sure, so Andrew Korge, I work for a company called Lynx, L-Y-N-X. It's a boutique private equity firm uh, that owns and operates uh, portfolio companies in real estate, technology, and financial services. Uh, And, uh, you know, it, it was exciting to be on the panel with my good friends here because, you know, we desperately need, you know, to start, uh, you know, rethinking, uh, you know, how we're going to approach uh, transportation in the 21st century. Um, So it was a a great opportunity to discuss that topic. And Brian? Brian Willis. I'm an attorney with Shoemaker, Loop & Kendrick in in Tampa, Florida, uh, predominantly practicing in areas of business and real estate litigation. And I've got involved in transportation issues and been an advocate for improving the transportation system because I'm from Florida originally and from Tampa, went to law school in Washington, D.C., lived there without a car, when I came back after graduating from law school in 07, got really engaged in trying to fix the area's transportation system and been involved in that sense. Well, fantastic. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. And, and so just, I don't know, if, uh, for the benefit of our listeners, I'd also like to maybe talk about some statistics. So road rage, you know, is a pretty new topic to me. I've heard it, you know, as years go by. And for me, I have the image of somebody like uh, flipping somebody off and then cutting them off in, in traffic, but I know it's more serious than that. And so maybe, do you guys have some stats that we could uh, share with our listeners? Well, on the way here, actually, someone gave us the bird. Uh, when, uh, we, we pulled a little too far uh, forward. So I don't know if anyone else caught that, but it was a, a nice moment. So that's my statistic. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, uh, and this is Mike Suarez. One of the things that uh, we know about road rage is that the, the amount of time that people spend in their cars. So as an example, in Tampa, on average, most people who are going into the downtown central business district probably spend about 45 minutes in their vehicle prior to getting into town. Because of that, they actually do get a little bit more angry, more anxious. They start their day in a bad place, and it doesn't usually get better from there, depending on what their jobs are. So for us, we understand that time is money. Money is uh, what we uh, go to work primarily to do. 
And then, uh, unfortunately, the amount of time that we take to get back to our families takes too long, and that causes us to be a little bit more angry when we are uh, when we are driving around. Well, you know, my favorite question from the panel was that gentleman, right, who spoke up at the end, and he said, you know, he was probably, uh, you know, he identified himself as a baby boomer, and he said, you know, he asked you, counsel me, he said, what was your first car? You know, mm-hmm. he's getting at that love of the vehicle, and then he says, you know, it's, that's my space, you know, within that car. And, well, you know, we were talking a lot about driverless technology and how changes to technology are going to drive how people use vehicles differently. And he was saying, look, when I'm in that vehicle, I'm the only one that's a good driver. It's my space. I own it. It's everybody else that's the problem. And uh, that's one of the interesting things about driverless technology and how it's going to impact all of this is people's perception of vehicle ownership, people's personal space. What if you take out the driver from that technology situation and then you've got people there? But... For him, for that guy, you know, he loved his first car. He asked us what our first car was. He doesn't want to lose his car, but everybody else is the problem. Well, and we said to him, I mean, look, it's true that folks love their car and they may not want to give it up, and they certainly wouldn't have to. But at the same time, if you could spend more time with your kids because you have a driverless car that can go get your groceries for you, um, you know, and you can actually do work on the way to office, and that, you know, because of your car driving itself, you know, there are a lot of benefits there, uh, you know, that, uh, that we have to realize with driverless cars. So I want to hit a, a point that uh, Councilman Suarez was talking about earlier. So, you know, people spend this time in their car and they're getting agitated on the way to work. And, and so this isn't a new problem. And people have been driving cars to work for a long time. And so I look at cars today and they're, they're magical. They've got like Bluetooth. You can hook up your, uh, your, your cell phone and listen to whatever you want in the world. You can listen to any song in the world. You can listen to podcasts, hopefully. Um, and so what, what is going on where we're seeing, a, is it a rising instance of road rage? Is, it, is there something happening within the American uh, persona that's causing us to be more angry behind the wheel? I find I'm, I'm a millennial and I look at this attitude about, you know, I go to that gentleman, that sort of attitude, the car is freedom. I think for me, I've never seen the car as freedom because, yeah, you're stuck in traffic. I love to look at, you look at old photos of like the highway system or California. You know, when they first built it, it was wide open space. And so I think there is this, you know, we continue to grow in population, we continue to grow in density, there's been a movement back towards urbanism, and so you're seeing more congestion and more traffic uh, with how our land use patterns are, how sprawl's developing, and I, I think there is actually a substantive change that traffic is worse than it was, you know, maybe 30, 40 years ago. And it's frustrating. I mean, again, you know, these days both folks in a home work, and, and you've got kids that aren't getting enough attention, and, you know, you're working extra hours because of your iPhone, you're always on call. Um, and, you know, we lose all this time going back and forth to work, and, and that's time where we should be spending with our family or rejuvenating, you know, for work and whatnot. So that leads to a lot of frustration. And, you know, you have to think about it. The way that cars operate now in terms of the newer vehicles, they're very expensive pieces of equipment. Uh, it probably is, if not your second most expensive item outside of your home, it's close to it, and you're thinking to yourself, here I am, I've got this wonderful car that's supposed to be a wonderful experience, and now I'm stuck in traffic. And, you know, the, the old adage, and I think Brian touched on this, is that I'm a great driver, everyone else is a terrible driver. And, you know, we, we get into that mentality that I can't understand why that guy is doing this. And, you know, Andrew uh, mentioned, you know, the, the one-finger salute that we got. And, <laughs> and, you know, he has a wonderful vehicle that, you know, is telling you when you're about to collide. It's, it's got all kinds of different features. And so he's actually better prepared to make sure that he isn't causing someone problems. But guess what? They're always going to cause someone else's problem because you are the problem in everyone else's mind. 
Uh, and that, and that's, that's what really causes a lot more of that stress and anxiety. And we have to get away from that. And part of the reason why we talked on this panel, which is how do we now solve some of the legal issues that deal with solving transportation issues and not just talk about what we're doing now? What are we going to do in the future? So I heard, you know, a little bit more emphasis on public transportation. Obviously, we have Uber and soon there will be driverless cars in, in great prominence in the cities, I believe. And so, you know, those are certainly things that could kind of bring down the amount of drivers on the road or at least make the driving experience a little more pleasurable. But uh, what were some of the other solutions you guys were talking about in terms of bringing down the road rage? Well, I think technology is a big one, right? We're looking at dramatic changes in what's coming over the next five, 10 years to that. It's going to really change how this is. I think part of the concerns, and it was one of the questions we got during the panel was, well, what does that mean for me if I don't want to use driverless technology? What if I just want to be in a, my own driver? Um, and I think you're going to increasingly see conflicts, uh, you know, new conflicts that are going to open up between these kind of technologies. So, you know, one positive aspect of it is maybe, yeah, you can sit back, you can play words with friends or, you know, text or whatever you want if you have a driverless vehicle. But you got to also think about that percentage of the population that doesn't want to give it up they're going to be increasingly in conflict with the changes. So maybe there's some new sources of road rage that are going to come from those late adopters and people that, you know, still are using their flip phones instead of getting the, an iPhone. Well, and, you know, look, I think it's going to fundamentally transform our society once driverless cars become adopted by, you know, a lot of consumers because a car may not be a possession that you own by yourself anymore. I mean, there could come a moment where Uber is basically you pay a monthly fee and maybe it's subsidized by the government to help low-income folks. And an Uber will pick you, a driverless Uber, will pick you and four or however many people up every morning. You know, but again, if people are buying a lot less cars, what's going to happen to car companies and those jobs? Um, you know, if, if there are fundamental changes that, that we're going to see, and we're just not prepared for it right now. And, and folks like Councilman Suarez are, are the few uh, that are actually talking about these things at, you know, at the political level. Uh, but we need more elected leaders to step up and, and start thinking. And that's why we talk to lawyers first, because, you know, uh, you know, any of the things that we're going to deal with on a policy part, we need to have uh, legal sufficiency for some of these ideas. And uh, we thought it was a natural to talk about some of these issues to uh, the Young Lawyers Division of the uh, ABA. So for us, it's just it makes total sense. Let's try and solve some of the issues before we get to them so that we're prepared for the future. Well, and I think it's, it's also important to note that automation is going to fundamentally change our lives. It's not just taking away taxi driving jobs or Uber drivers and them losing their jobs. If you go to Seattle where they passed a living wage of $15, McDonald's now lets you order from a tablet. So those jobs are going to disappear soon. You know, and this has been happening for decades, but now it's, it's starting to you know, become more prevalent. And oh, by the way, lawyers, I hear that some legal jobs are disappearing because of software, slowly but surely. So as a society, we need to be prepared for that. We need to start teaching every single child how to code, build robots, work with 3D printers, advanced skills so they can survive in the 21st century. Well, Andrew, let's hope that uh, we don't have a lawyer listening to this in his car because that might be a different type of road rage right. where he's not going to have a job. All right. Well, and Andrew, you're working on cybersecurity issues as part of your you know, portfolio of issues that you work on, and you talk about these driverless vehicles. They're going to be connected to the Internet. I mean, how does that play out, uh, You know, people hacking into vehicles? It's a huge problem. Uh, you know, I wrote an op-ed uh, last week, and hacking and cybersecurity used to be an issue just for national governments and global conglomerates. Now it's becoming an issue for local governments and medium-sized businesses. Uh, and law firms are certainly at risk. 
And, you know, yeah. with a driverless car, if someone breaks into that, they could cause a problem. Right. You could crash. City of Tampa has a fleet of vehicles, as do most. They have these fleet programs. And, you know, what happens if some hacker comes in and all of a sudden shuts down and says, you know, you got to pay us a million dollars if you want to drive your vehicles anywhere, City of Tampa? Yeah, and there are potential solutions out there. There's what's called quantum encryption, which is being developed, you know, by the U.S., China, and others. Um, so, you know, and allegedly it's impossible to break into that, at least at the moment. So th there are some solutions out there. You just need to be proactive about it, uh, you know, at, at all levels. And a, a lot of law firms really are being proactive with cybersecurity, which is, is great to hear. Uh, now we just need others to follow suit. Yep. Well, in terms of the future, five years from now, where do you guys think we'll be? Well, I think we'll be on our way to having some uh, form of autonomous vehicles. It'll probably be very um, primitive uh, at that time because you need to make sure that the road patterns and road networks are going to accept some of these autonomous vehicles. But I do think that we're going to have a lot more technology partnerships between public entities like uh, bus systems and other transit agencies with other uh, private providers like Lyft and Uber, uh, Zipcar, you know, and then all the other uh, autonomous vehicles like Tesla. In Tampa, in, uh, in our bus system, we are actually partnering with Tesla to provide what they call first mile, last mile solutions. And so we eventually think that Tesla will be there with us as a autonomous vehicle helping to provide that same type of service. You know, and this is what I'm saying. I mean, if we had more elected officials like Councilman Suarez who were thinking into the future and thinking about these types of partnerships, uh, you know, we'd be better off. But look, in five years, almost every major car company, you know, BMW, uh, Volkswagen, Tesla, GM, you know, you name it, will have a fully autonomous, capable car. I um, mean, actually, there's even a system being developed by Delphi and, and uh, Mobileye that can have an autonomous system put onto any car. Um, so we will absolutely have cars that have that capability. The question is how much will people use them? I can tell you that my car lets me take my hand off the wheel and uh, my foot off the pedal for 30 seconds at a time, and it's great. Gives me extra flexibility. I can play chess, you know, do whatever I want <laughs> on the road, and it's safe. So we will have that capability there in five years. I think in 10 to 15 years with the right leadership at the political level, we could have, you know, significant consumer adoption, maybe 25%. Uh, with driverless cars. I mean, I, I think these guys are exactly right. I think from a legal perspective, uh, it's interesting what's going to be the challenge of the next five years is developing that regulatory and policy framework that really copes with all the technology changes that are coming. Uh, you know, I do in my real estate space, I deal a lot with shared ownership communities, and you think of condos or timeshares where, you know, instead of buying um, a property in fee simple, you know, you're buying a week or you're buying a unit or a piece of air, that virtual unit that exists. I think we're going to start seeing some of these shared ownership community concepts starting to blend with car ownership concepts and where you might not be buying a car, you might be buying a car and a half or a car and three quarters. And I mean, that's going to be a big advantage for consumers if there's the regulatory and legal and policy framework in place to deal with it. Well, if we don't know who owns it, who's going to wash and wax it? Well, that, that's a, that, Robots. That's, that, that's a great way. You know, Uber, we talked about Uber and Uber's losing all this money. They're getting rid, they want to get rid of the drivers. That's their plan. Well, the drivers wash and wax the cars. So who, what do you get rid of the cars? Then the Uber's got to go out to some, you know, central wax depot that's probably going to have automated robots that do some automated washing of your automated car. It'll operate at Costco <laughs> or something. I don't know. Well, gentlemen, I just have one last question for you. You know, uh, we, we put these uh, we put these podcasts out for attorneys, and we're putting them out with the American Bar Association, of course, through through our network as well. And so, if our listeners out there want to get involved, learn a little bit more about what they heard today, how can they reach you? 
Councilman Suarez? Well, they can reach me at uh, Mike.Suarez, and that's spelled S-U-A-R-E-Z, at TampaGov.net. Andrew? They can tweet at me at Andrew Corge, A-N-D-R-E-W-K-O-R-G-E, and uh, I will respond at all times. And Brian? Yeah, uh, Brian Willis with the law firm of Shoemaker, Loop, and Kendrick. That's a great way to find me. I'm also on Twitter at, at Brian Willis TPA for Tampa. Well, it looks like we've reached the end of the road for this episode today, but I want to thank our guests for joining us today and also our listeners for tuning in. And if you like what you've heard today, please rate us in iTunes. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah thanks, you. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> if you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Hey.